0: Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 425 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. Who are this season's top 50 NHL players? Find out on the Locked On NHL podcast. Joe DiBiase, Mike DiStefano, and Rachel Donner reveal the top 50 players as voted on by our local experts across the Locked On NHL network of podcasts. Subscribe to the Locked On NHL podcast on YouTube and turn your notifications on so that you never miss an episode. That song you were hearing right now is, of course, Leave the Lights On from our good friends in Pacifier. You can check those guys out anywhere you get your music. I strongly encourage you to do so. Today is Saturday, September 4th. I am back from vacation, ready to dive back into uh, Locked On New York Rangers here with all of you guys. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed some of the pre pre-recorded episodes that we had last week. We had a couple of crossovers with Chris Maselli from Locked On Colorado Avalanche. We also did a special episode where I attempted to put together the defensemen and the goalies for an ultimate Ranger team of players that were only on the Rangers for one or two seasons. So it's kind of an interesting list and I uh, had a lot of fun doing that. We'll get to the forwards in due time, but today I definitely want to spend some time talking about the NHL choosing to participate in the 2022 Olympics. I'm very excited about this. We will also continue our draft spotlight series, and this is something that we've been doing basically throughout the offseason here ever since the draft occurred, and today We're going to hone in on Yaroslav Schmeller, a right winger that the Rangers took in the fifth round with the 144th overall pick. And then finally, big show today. We will talk about a documentary that I actually just watched on Netflix. It covers a hockey team that played in the now defunct United Hockey League. They played their home games in Danbury, Connecticut, which is where I lived for two years. And that's all I'll say for now, but there is a bit of a Ranger tie-in, and I will say that you guys are definitely going to want to stick around for that at the end of the episode. Just a fascinating documentary, and I highly recommend it to everyone. You can find it on Netflix. But like I said, we got to kick off today's episode talking about something that I'm very excited about. I think a lot of Ranger fans and really hockey fans, probably around the world, not even probably, definitely around the world, are very excited about this. And that is the news. This occurred while I was away. The NHL will indeed be participating in the Olympics for the first time since 2014. So eight long years. And the way I see it, the Olympics are supposed to be the best in the world. So let's go ahead and get the best in the world participating in this tournament. Most of the best hockey players in the world are playing in the NHL. So let's have at it. Let's put together or have these countries put together the best rosters that they possibly can dive into the incredible talent pool. That is the NHL. And let's see the best in the world compete on a world stage. Now, The NHL this season, they put the schedule together, and they did it while blocking off some time in February, knowing that this might happen, that they might be participating in the Olympics, and indeed, that's what now will happen. The NHL this upcoming season will be on hiatus from February 2nd until February 22nd, so that these players can participate in the Beijing Olympics uh, that will be going on at that time. The gold medal game is scheduled for February 20th, and... You know, I know that there are some people that are naysayers when it comes to the NHL participating in the Olympics. I think for the most part, the vast majority of fans like this, certainly the players like it. I have no issues whatsoever with the NHL season being interrupted for what's only going to be about three weeks here. I'm completely fine with it. I don't think it really favors one team over another. I suppose if your team rolls into the Olympic break with eight wins in its last nine games, like if the Rangers have won eight of their last nine going into the Olympic break, then maybe... Uh, we'd all be a little bit upset about it, but it is what it is. You know, that we all know it's not like these players and these teams are being blindsided with this news. They've all got months to prepare for this. The NHL season will indeed be paused for three weeks there due to the Olympic break and players participating in the Olympics. And, you know, again, I, I just said this a second ago, but I do think that these players really want to represent their country. I think it means a lot to them. It's a lot of fun to, for fans to see these kind of uh, super— Lineups, these super line combinations. I mean, Team Canada, their roster is just going to be unreal. I'm sure the same can be said uh, to a little bit of a lesser extent for teams like Russia, maybe Finland, certainly the United States. But I think everybody, for the most part, is up for this. So I think it's all right. You know, you can pause the NHL season for three weeks once every four years, it'll be okay. And then, you know, the Olympics will end, everybody will come back, and you get right back into the swing of things, and you get the playoff stretch coming up, and then the postseason itself. So Yeah, I think it's fantastic news for hockey fans everywhere. Uh, This is a a quote, excuse me, from NHL Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly. He said, We understand how passionately NHL players feel about representing and competing for their countries. We are very pleased that we were able to conclude arrangements that will allow them to resume best-on-best competition on the Olympic stage. And uh, one other kind of side note from this whole thing and something that could end up potentially nixing the whole agreement for the NHL to allow its players to participate in the Olympics. uh, I don't know what you would call this, like an opt-out clause or whatever it might be. But basically, if COVID-19 is still around and it's something that could be considered too problematic and too much of a risk to... Be sending players from the NHL uh, to Beijing and then back to all these you know, cities across Canada and the United States whenever the NHL season uh, you know resumes after the Olympics are over, then the NHL and the NHLPA can decide to basically just cancel the whole thing and not send their players to the Olympics. So that would be unfortunate, not just for hockey, obviously, but if that's happening in February of next season, which is let's see, that would be six months from now that it means that COVID is still uh, very much a concern and something that, you know, can prevent something like this from taking place, which would really not be good. I don't think anybody would be uh, would be too happy about that. Uh, but I got one other quote here for you guys from NHLPA General Counsel Don Zavello. He said, representing their country in the Olympics is important to the players. Even in these uncertain times, the players look forward to pulling on their nation's hockey sweater at the upcoming 2022 Winter Olympics in Beijing as they compete for the gold medal. And I totally agree. I just touched on that a minute ago. I mean, I think it really means a lot to these players. You don't see players say no to this. You know, I really like, I'm a big fan of the um, the World Baseball Classic, which I don't think is going to be happening now until 2023 at the earliest but I'm a huge fan of that tournament, but you do see players, uh, it depends on the country sometimes too, but you do see players turn down that opportunity. You don't see any hockey players turn down the opportunity to participate in the Olympics, so I think it really makes means a lot to these guys, and I just want to read a list. It uh, was included in an article on NHL.com. These are some of the players that could potentially be playing in the Olympics for the first time when The Olympics take place next February. So, listen to some of these names here. First time to see them on the world stage, uh, at least in the Olympics. You got Kara McDavid, who could and probably will play for Team Canada, David Pasternak for the Czech Republic, Sebastian Aho for Finland, Nikita Kucherov for Russia. You got Victor Hedman for Sweden. You got Leon Draisaitl for Germany, and you've got Austin Matthews for the United States. So just a handful of players there, just phenomenal players. They would all be playing in the Olympics for the first time, and that's something that I would very much be looking forward to. Uh, as for some information on the tournament itself, it will include 12 countries that are seeded into three groups. You've got the top eight nations that were seeded into the tournament uh, according to their ranking in 2019. That is Canada. Russia, Finland, Sweden, the Czech Republic, the United States, Germany, and Switzerland. And then you've also got uh, the host team, which is China, and you've also got recently qualified teams from Slovakia, Latvia, and Denmark. So those are your 12 teams, and again, it's something that I'm just really looking forward to. I will go ahead. Now, obviously, this news just broke, so rosters are not set in stone or anything like that, probably not even close to being set in stone. There's obviously some time between now and the Olympics, but... I was on the hockeywriters.com and what they did was they took a very preliminary look, an early look at what some of these rosters could look like. And given that, you know, on this podcast, you can kind of see the um, the demographics and see who's listening to this podcast from where, you know, what country, what state. Overwhelmingly, the most listeners from this podcast are from either the United States or Canada. So what I'm going to do for you guys right now is read the preliminary roster. Once again, I mean it's just one publication, and it's obviously, like I just said, very preliminary. But we'll start with Canada here and just listen to this insane Hall of Fame lineup that Canada can put on the ice if this if these are the players that they choose to go with. So the top line, you've got Sidney Crosby centering Steven Stamkos and Nathan McKinnon. I mean, I think we can probably pencil that trio in for a couple of goals, a couple of points. What do you guys think? Uh, probably. And then uh, the second line, you've got Connor McDavid centering Mitch Marner and Mark Scheifele. On the third line, you've got Ryan O'Reilly centering Braden Point and Mark Stone. The fourth line, you've got Patrice Bergeron centering Brad Marchand and John Tavares. That's your fourth line, if this is what you know Canada ends up going with. Bergeron centering Marchand and Tavares. And then some extra fours listed here. You've got Jonathan Huberdeau as well as Sean Couturier. And then for the defensemen, these are the defense pairings that are listed on this website. You've got Morgan Riley with Dougie Hamilton. You've got Kale McCarr with Shea Weber. And you've got Shea Theodore with Alex Peter Angelo. And then two extra defensemen there listed, Thomas Shabbat and Drew Doughty. And then for the goalies, you've got Carey Price, Darcy Kemper, and Carter Hart. So that might actually be the weakness of the team is goalie, which sounds ridiculous because those are all fantastic goalies, but it just shows how ridiculous the rest of the roster is. And Carey Price is obviously ha- coming off of a great season, but he struggled you know, a little bit early in the season and the season before that. Uh, so the idea that a Carey Price-led goalie room might be the weakness of the team, yeah, that tells you just how stacked this Canada team really is. But uh, we will discuss the United States roster, the preliminary roster. Again, none of these are set in stone, but we will discuss the preliminary roster that the hockey writers put together in just a second here. Today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their run to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, so as promised, let's go ahead and talk about the United States hockey roster. Again, this is not set in stone or anything like that. This is just coming to us from thehockeywriters.com. They have put together very preliminary, very uh, kind of knee-jerk roster reactions, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Obviously, none of these players have committed to playing the Olympics yet, but you got to figure at least some of them, if not a good chunk of them, are going to be there for the United States. So this is what they came up with. Over at the Hockey Writers, you've got a top line of Austin Matthews centering Johnny Gaudreau and Patrick Kane. I mean, you gotta like that. Uh, the second line will be Jack Eichel centering Kyle Connor and Brock Bozer. The third line you've got Dylan Larkin centering Jake Gensel and Max Pacioretty. The fourth line, you've got JT Miller, former Ranger, centering Brady Kachuk and Matthew Kachuk. That'd be interesting seeing the Kachuk brothers get to play together. And then you've got two additional forwards listed here as well. They are Alex DeBrincat and Jack Hughes. As far as the defense pairings are concerned, Zach Warensky and Seth Jones. Then you've got Quinn Hughes and John Carlson. And I don't know how to—excuse me, I don't know how Adam Fox is— listed as a third defense pairing. I mean, to me, he just won the Norris. He should be on the top pairing of any team. But obviously, these are very preliminary rosters here. And it looks like Adam Fox and Charlie McAvoy... Uh, we'll be playing together on the third defense pairing. Or again, it, that's at least what these uh, people at the hockey writers have put together. That that would be your third defense pairing, and then you've got two additional defensemen as well: Tori Krug and Jacob Slavin. And as far as between the pipes is concerned, Connor Hellebuck, John Gibson, and Thatcher Demko. I think you would have to roll with Connor Hellebuck there if you're the United States. It's a good team. I wouldn't put it quite on par with Team Canada, although, I mean, this is a team that could go uh, very far in the Olympics if it looks anything like this, and I would imagine that a good chunk of these players probably will end up playing for the United States in the tournament. I'm definitely going to be tuning in. I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch these games. Now, as I mentioned uh, a little while ago, a couple of minutes ago really, most of our listeners for this podcast come from either the United States or Canada, but if you're listening from another country and you want me to cover your country on a future episode, just kind of go through the preliminary rosters here, uh, definitely get in touch with me and I will do just that. I might end up doing that anyway. I mean, we'll see, kind of compare and contrast some of these rosters, these preliminary rosters of uh, players who could be representing their respective countries in the Olympics, and The only other thing I want to talk about, well, two more things, actually. We're going to talk about the coaching staff for each team as well as players on the Rangers who I think could end up participating in the Olympics for one team or another. So for Canada, you've got John Cooper will be the head coach. I mean, I don't think he can really go wrong there. He's obviously... Won the Stanley Cup in each of the last two seasons with the Tampa Bay Lightning, and under his direction, the Lightning just win and win and win and win and win to the point that I think a lot of us are probably getting sick of the Lightning and we're ready for a different team to win the Stanley Cup, preferably the Rangers, but really uh, just about anybody. I I don't think too many people, unless you're a Lightning fan, are necessarily rooting for Tampa to have a three-peat. But he is the head coach and deservedly so. And then as far as the assistant coaches are concerned, you've got a trio of NHL head coaches who will be serving as assistant coaches for Team Canada. They are Bruce Cassidy of the Bruins, Peter DeBoer of the Golden Knights, and Barry Trotz of the New York Islanders. And then for the U.S., Uh, They're going to be led by Mike Sullivan. I think it's a great choice. He's obviously got the credentials, having won a couple of Stanley Cups with the Pittsburgh Penguins. And then for the assistant coaches, you've got John Hines. He is currently the head coach of the Predators. You've got Todd Reardon, who is an assistant coach with the Penguins under Mike Sullivan. And our old friend, former Ranger coach David Quinn, will be an assistant coach for Team USA. And then finally, the recently retired Ryan Miller. I remember Miller in the 2010 Olympics just absolutely standing on his head for the United States. Uh, that's the one where Canada ended up beating the United States in overtime in the gold medal game. Uh, but met Miller in that tournament went 5-1 and one with a 135 goals against average, a 946-8 percentage and one shutout. Absolutely stood on his head. It was one of the main reasons why that gold medal game even got into overtime. If I remember correctly, which I think I do, I mean, it was 11 years ago, but our Miller just being absolutely phenomenal in that game before, uh, you know, Crosby scored in overtime and just broke everybody's heart. As if he hasn't done that enough to Ranger fans, now he's got to do it to the United States too. But yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it as far as the coaches are concerned. I think both of these countries have put together really strong coaching staffs. As far as Rangers, who we might even be able to expect to play in this tournament or guys that could possibly play in this tournament, I think for the United States you got to start with with Adam Fox I mean he's absolutely got to be on this team unless he just has the type of regression that nobody can possibly see coming and I really don't see that happening Adam Fox is a phenomenal hockey player and it seems like the sky's the limit and even coming off of Norris his best days could still be ahead of him so I would be stunned if Adam Fox isn't offered a spot on the United States roster uh, I, I would say Jacob Truba maybe has a little bit of an outside shot Uh, for the United States, maybe cracking that roster depending on how he plays this year. Uh, Certainly, you got to think that Russia will be interested in Artemi Panarin. Maybe Chris Kreider for the United States. I would say it's at least possible. We know how streaky he can be, but if he gets off to a solid start this season and goes on one of his runs, then it's certainly possible that the United States might look to add him. And I think, you know, David Quinn might be in his corner as well. I mean, we'll see. We'll see how much pull David Quinn has uh, as far as it pertains to Chris Kreider potentially making the United States Olympic team, if we get a breakout season from either Alexi Lafreniere or Capo Caco, then I think they could each have a chance with either Canada or Finland, respectively. Those are going to be tough rosters to crack. I mean, making Team Canada is just ridiculous. You have to basically be on a Hall of Fame trajectory in your NHL career to get onto that Canadian team. Finland may be a little bit easier, but they should have a really good team as well. But I would say Lafreniere and Kako certainly at least have a chance. Uh, Mika Zibanejad, I would think he would definitely make the Sweden team. We'll see. I mean, if he does anything that's even resembles what he's done with the Rangers over these past two seasons. If he gets off to any kind of a start like that this next season, I think certainly he would be there uh, for Team Sweden. And then Igor Shisterkin, I, I figure he's got to at least have a chance to crack Russia's roster. I would say Andrey Vasilevsky would probably be the starter there, but I would be surprised actually if, if Igor Shisterkin does not end up making that team, so we'll see how that shakes out. And a little bit of a dark course here. I would say Philip Hedel has at least a chance of making the Czech Republic team. We'll see how it shakes out. That's, I mean, it's a really good team, don't get me wrong, but it's not nearly as difficult to make the Czech Republic team as it is to, say, make the Canada team. So if Hedel can break out a little bit this season, which is something that I think a lot of us are looking for anyway then, yeah, I mean, I, I see no reason why he can't be, at least in the mix, for a spot on the Czech Republic team. And maybe there's somebody else that I'm not thinking of. I mean, maybe Kyandre Miller really takes off and he can make the United States team. We'll see. I, I think anybody that I haven't mentioned is probably facing a little bit of an uphill battle. Even some of the guys that I did mention are probably facing uphill battles. But uh, it'll be very, very interesting to see uh, which players of the New York Rangers end up being chosen and end up playing for their respective country in the Olympics. And regardless of how many or how few Rangers uh, make one of the teams in the Olympics. It's certainly something that I'm absolutely looking forward to. Cannot wait to see the NHL once again participating in the Olympics. Once again, the first time in eight years, because it'll be 2022 when the Olympics happen, and obviously the last time the NHL participated was 2014, which is absolutely crazy. But uh, yeah, I, for one, cannot wait for this tournament. I'm thrilled for the NHL season to be starting soon as well, but we got something to look forward to during that three-week break because I think the Olympics are going to be absolutely phenomenal this season. Some of these players that maybe not a lot of people in the mainstream know about, they're going to put themselves on the map based on what they do in these Olympic games. Uh, but yeah, in just a second, we are going to go ahead and talk about, once again, another ranger that was drafted in this year's draft, Yaroslav Shmilar Ch- I hope I'm pronouncing that right. That's a little bit of a tongue twister. But he's a right winger for the Czech Republic, so we'll talk about him. And we'll also talk about this documentary and the Danbury Trashers as well. Just wanted to take a minute to let you guys know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Built Bar. It is the best tasting protein and energy bar that I have ever had. It's kind of hard to explain. You just have to experience it for yourself. It's got real chocolate, amazing flavors, and unlike a lot of other protein bars, energy bars, you don't need a gallon of water to get rid of that weird, funky aftertaste that sometimes comes with the other bars. It's just good, and it actually kind of tastes quite a bit like a candy bar. It has an amazing combination of low calories, high protein, and low sugar. There are no crazy additives, and if you compare it to the most popular men's bar, Cliff, it is half the calories, seven times fewer carbs, seven times fewer sugar grams, and more protein. How can it be that good and taste that good? I don't know. You just got to try it for yourself. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BiltBar.com. Today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by DirecTV. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. All right, so as we were talking about just a second ago, let's go ahead and continue our off-season series here of Draft Spotlight, where we basically just kind of hone in on one of the players that the Rangers drafted. We are into the fifth round here, and the second-to-last player that the Rangers took in this year's draft, and that is Mr. Yaroslav Schmeller, a right winger from the Czech Republic. And anybody who missed any of these other episodes, and maybe you want to go back and hear some of my thoughts and some of the other players that the Rangers drafted, I'll just kind of run through the lineup real quick here. We talk about Brandon Offman in episodes number 397 and 404. Episode 397 was before the Rangers drafted him. Episode 404 was after the Rangers drafted him. We also talk about Ryder Korzak in episode 410, Jaden Grub in episode 411, Brody Lamb in episode 412, Callie Vizenin in episode 416, and Talon Boyko in episode in episode 417, and of course, that leads us to today with Schmeller, And of course, once you start getting this late in the draft, it becomes a little bit of a dart throw, whether you're the Rangers or really any of these teams, and it also becomes that much more difficult to find any real concrete information about these players. I mean, you go on YouTube and you type in this name, and there's a grand total of one video that comes up, and it shows him scoring a goal, and there's not even any audio. I couldn't even find a recording of anybody actually saying his name, so I apologize if I'm not pronouncing it correctly, but I believe it's... Schmeller, again, a little bit of a tongue twister there, but bottom line, he's a big kid, right winger, as we said, six foot four, 198 pounds. He represented the Czech Republic in the under 18 World Championship this past season. He had a goal and one assist in five games there. And also in 2020-2021, Schmeller played 15 games with the Jokerit. Under 18 team in Finland. And in those 15 games, he had five goals and eight assists for a total of 13 points. He also played three games with the same under 20 team. You know, he moved up for three games with them and uh, had no points in any of those three games. I found this interesting, though, because, you know, you kind of just scour the web looking for any information you can on a player like that, because, again, it's late in the draft and there's not a ton of information readily available, and this is just one publication's opinion, but I want to go ahead and read you guys a tweet from Czech Prospects that they put out on July 20th, and this is what they had to say, Yaroslav Schmeller is my favorite under-the-radar prospect for the 2021 NHL draft. Big-bodied forward with goal-scoring ability, good around the net, and strong away from the puck. Here are his best moments from the 2020-2021 season with the under-18 national team. And then also included in this tweet was a, it's just what it sounds like, just basically a highlight reel of some goals that he scored with this team. Again, it's hard to get a whole lot out of this, especially, you know, the way some of these games are shot, you can't even get more than one different camera angle. So some of them, it's kind of hard to even see what's happening, and it's not the best quality either, but at least one publication, that being Czech prospects, seemed to really believe in Yaroslav Schmeller. Hopefully they are correct about this. Schmeller was just the fifth Czech player selected in this year's draft, and for the Rangers, he was the second European forward that they chose in this year's draft, and Here's a stat that I found kind of interesting. It was about how the Rangers have fared kind of in the later rounds of drafts over the past, I guess, 13 years, it would be, in the last 10 drafts from 2018 to 2017. And obviously, they don't include, you know, 2018, 2019, 2020, 2021, because a lot of these players are still developing, and they wouldn't have made it to the NHL by now anyway. But in 10 drafts for the Rangers from 2008 to 2017... They have picked a total of 26 players in the fifth round or later. Only six of those 26 players have made it to the NHL. Uh, And those six players have combined for a total of 568 NHL games. Now, it should also be mentioned that 468 of those games were played by Jesper Foss, who the Rangers drafted in the sixth round. And obviously, that's 468 and counting for Jesper Foss, now that he's with the Carolina Hurricanes. So it's tough. I mean, it's tough to really knock it out of the park late in the draft. You just kind of throw a dart. You see something that you like about a certain player, and you just take a chance, and you see what happens, and we'll see. I mean, maybe Schmeller can— kind of defy the odds and end up making it to the NHL. But we're going to uh for the rest of this episode, we got a few minutes left here. I do want to mention this documentary that I just watched on the Danbury Trashers. It is called Untold Crime and Penalties. If you type that into Netflix, I'm sure it'll come up for you. It seems like this is just one episode in a program that covers a lot of different things, but They did a documentary on the Danbury Trashers, and I got to tell you guys, I now know what my biggest regret is in my history of sports fandom, and that is the simple fact that I never went to a Danbury Trashers game. I will explain what I'm talking about here. And again, as I mentioned in the intro, there is a little bit of a Ranger tie-in, so we will get to that in due time as well. But for anybody that, I mean, some of you might have seen this documentary already, some of you maybe have not. But for anybody that has not seen it, it basically just covers the two-year history of the Danbury Trashers. The Trashers were a team that played in the now-defunct UHL. That's the United Hockey League. And they were just completely out of control from top to bottom. I mean, that's the best way I can put it. The team was owned by Jimmy Galante, who is a resident of Danbury. And he made his money in the trash disposal business in Danbury. And he did a lot of very shady things, both with his trash disposal business, as well as with the trashers themselves. And a lot of people thought this was an April Fool's joke because this was announced apparently on April 1st, back in 2004. But Jimmy Galante informed everybody that the general manager of this team that he owned would be none other than his 17-year-old son, A.J. Galante, who was still a senior in high school in Danbury at that time. So, you're off to a very, very interesting start to your franchise to begin with. But what AJ Galante did, he was in charge of putting this roster together, and he basically went out there and he wanted to get a team that were going to be the bad boys of the UHL, the the villains, if you will. AJ mentioned in this documentary that his father always kind of rooted for uh, the, the villains in movies, and AJ kind of picked up that habit from his dad, and he wanted to put together that team. They wanted to be the villains. They wanted to be the team that everybody despised in this league, but... The team was a hit in Danbury. I mean, they were absolutely packing this arena, the Danbury Ice Arena. Some of you might be from around here. Some of you have maybe even played hockey games in the Danbury Ice Arena. I've been there to cover uh, many high school games and also uh, the – Barry Whalers, who were the team that came into existence after the Trashers were no longer in the league. But basically, this team, like I said, completely out of control, just brawls every single night. The fans were absolutely nuts. Uh, there was a section 102. Anytime the commissioner was in the league, they'd be flipping him off. I don't want to give too much away because it, it really needs to be seen to be believed. I, if you're a hockey fan... I would imagine you'd probably like this documentary, and I mentioned just a second ago, there is a little bit of a Ranger tie-in, and that is due to the simple fact that Mike Rupp actually played for this team, because one of the seasons was during the NHL lockout, and so everybody in the NHL, you know, some of them go back to Russia, they play in the KHL, they play in whatever other HL from basically around the globe. I mean, if guys want to play hockey, they couldn't play in the NHL that year. Uh, A couple of guys maybe play in the AHL, guys who weren't necessarily, um, you know, established in their NHL career, but... Mike Rupp somehow found his way to the Danbury Trashers. He was called by A.J. Galante, who, again, was the 17-year-old general manager for this team. And somehow, some way, Rupp was talked into playing for this team. In 14 regular season games in the uh, Trashers' second year of existence, Rupp scored five goals and dished out five assists. He also skated in 11 playoff games with the teams that year uh, scored three goals and notched four assists. He also had 68 total penalty minutes in those 25 total games. Uh, but every night it was basically just a brawl. Uh, the team was just completely out of control. And again, I don't want to give away too much, but I definitely recommend going and watching it. If you are a hockey fan, I think you will really enjoy it. Mike Rupp is interviewed in the documentary. Uh, he seems like he had a great time playing there that one year admitted that he didn't really know what he was getting into, but ended up enjoying his time there. Um, I think the only issue that I have with the documentary is that it almost came across like a fluff piece for the Galantes because, you know, Jimmy Galante, he did some very shady things and he ended up going to jail uh, for more than, I believe, seven years, seven years and some change after this team was disbanded. You know, the FBI uh, basically got their guy and he was put away for seven years and, you know, they make it sound in this documentary. I have no doubt. Listen, Dan Barry, I loved living there. Uh, The fans, you know, it's a very diverse community very uh, kind of blue-collar community, if you will, and so they really took to this team. They absolutely adored this team, and they loved the Galante family for giving them this team to root for, but, I mean, you watch this documentary, and the Galantes are basically treated like heroes. Now, Jimmy Galante, he did some some really uh, shady things, and he went to jail for it, pleaded guilty to some things, and he's out now, and he's interviewed in the documentary as well, so I think that's my only issue, is that they are made out to be just like freaking heroes and I, I wouldn't go that far with it uh, I just you know that that's my only nitpick of this entire documentary and on a personal note something that makes this all the more fun for me watching this documentary is that I actually interviewed AJ galante about five years ago he has since you know obviously he's about my age he's I, I believe we're the same age we're both 35 but He has since opened up a gym where he coaches, you know, a boxing team. And there's a lot of good boxers in Danbury, at least there were when I did my article about, uh, you know, this gym and the the fighters that are there and AJ Galante himself. But AJ was really cool to me, you know, gave me the interviews, set me up to uh, talk to some of his best boxers. And it was a good time. I ended up covering a couple of uh, events when I was still covering the local scene here. But AJ was cool, and it was neat to see him. uh, in this documentary here uh, being interviewed, a 17-year-old general manager. I mean, just try to picture yourself as 17 years old, uh, basically making all of the hockey personnel moves for a team. I mean, not an NHL team, but a UHL team. So... Yeah, pretty wild stuff. I, I definitely recommend this documentary. And I actually checked my phone and I still have AJ Galante's contact information, so there's a decent chance that I'm going to reach out to him and at least talk about this a little bit, uh, talk about what it was like to uh, you know, have this experience and bring in former Ranger Mike Rupp to play for the Danbury Trashers. But uh, yeah, again, can't recommend it enough. Go check it out. If you have time, it's a little bit less than an hour and a half. The only other thing that I want to mention here today is is just kind of give you guys a reminder about fantasy hockey. For everybody who was in the league last season and has already reached out to me, rest easy, your spot is secure. For anybody who was not in the league last year, a couple of you guys have kind of saved your place in line. But for anybody who was in the league last year, you've got until, let's say, Thursday. If I don't hear back by Thursday, then we're going to allow some new people into the league. And at that point, it's first come, first serve. And we'll see if we can get 20 players into this league just as we did last season. But like I said, that will pretty much do it for today, guys. If you'd like to get in touch with this podcast please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time. Betting on the NHL doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert, Lee Sterling. Get daily picks. Blowout specials, wrong team favored picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your podcasts.